Welcome to Educators Unplugged, bridging the gap between the books and real life. I'm your host, April Zalaki. Today, I have Tim Henningsen from College of DuPage joining us. He's a professor of English, and I'm excited to talk dual credit with him today on the podcast. Thank you for joining me today, Tim. Anytime, April. Excellent. Well, let's get started by just having you describe your role at College of DuPage. I am English faculty here. I've been here for about a decade. Uh, my background is generally in literary studies, but I've done a lot of comp ret, and so our bread and butter here is composition. So I mostly teach that with an occasional uh, literature class sort of scattered in here and there. So so do you teach kind of the beginning through the whole, like any... You know, English. I mean, we're going to go down a rabbit hole if you want to ask me about my literary background. But like, am I, I'm actually a um, I'm transnational Caribbean studies scholar of all wow. things. So my okay. expertise in literature is in 1940s, 1950s era Anglophone Caribbean literature. Um, but that is I did not of, know that about it you, is a <laughs> is a worldly sort of genre, and so it it has crosses paths with a whole lot of others. But I studied American literature. I studied um, world literature um, because everything sort of does end up inevitably in the Caribbean, if you ask me. But um, so I I usually teach sort of general and introductory classes here. I, I don't sort of focus on Caribbean lit with my Glen Ellen College of DuPage <laughs> students. Um, so when I teach literature, I try and expose my students to as much uh, literature as possible from dynamic authors, uh, global authors from different time periods. So um, oh. I'd love to teach a class on Caribbean lit, but I don't quite have the... I don't think the audience here or the, there's I don't think there's a lot of demand for, uh, you know, undergraduate study of George Lamming and V.S. Naipaul and all my sort of favorites, people you've probably never heard of. And most people haven't. So I, but, I can't say I have heard of them. Yeah. However, maybe people will hear this podcast and will reach out to you to want to. There are some incredible writers start. out there. So if you're curious, just get on Google. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, excellent. Well, I'm glad that you have such a different perspective that you bring to College of DuPage and in the English department. I appreciate that. Can you tell me a little bit about, uh, I know that you did the Caribbean literature, but your path to coming to COD and being an English professor? You know, it's funny because I bounced all over the place as an undergraduate student. um, And it really wasn't until I, I, I graduated with an English degree just because it was the quickest path to finishing. I was a math major for a while. I was a, a, honestly, I transferred as a sophomore to the University of Wisconsin with the intention of being an astronomy major. Um, I was education for a while. I was business. I bounced all over. And then finally, it was with a counselor as my junior year who said, you know, the quickest path to you finishing and getting a degree, you have a bunch of English credits that you transferred in. So I chose that just sort of out of dumb luck. I'm not joking. And then uh, a few years later after school, I'd bounced around in some jobs. I was working at UIC and one of the benefits is you could take free classes. And so I signed up for a graduate class in Caribbean literature. I'd taken a class as an undergrad. I wanted to just expose myself to more. And uh, I was sitting in class one day and I just had that like that epiphany moment where I was listening to my professor lecture. It was really a passion about it. I was enjoying it. And I just thought, you know what, that's what I want to do. And so that sort wow. of set my path. And then in grad school, you know, it was either uh, focus on the scholarship and the research or emphasize teaching. And I just, as much as I liked the the research, I um, I liked being in the classroom more than the library. 
And so um, I decided when I uh, defended my dissertation that I would uh, try and find a, a, a teaching job at a, um, at a four-year school. I started at a small community college out in uh, Seattle taught there for a little. And then when my family relocated back to Chicago, I taught at Loyola for a little bit. And then I had the fortune of coming here, having never stepped foot on campus before. And when I was brought in for my interviews and stuff, I was blown away by this place. It afforded me the opportunity to teach uh, composition, writing to uh, freshman students, which I was used to doing. And it also gave me the opportunity to teach some of the, you know, the literature that I was familiar with. So um, when I was given the job offer, I jumped and here I am a decade or so later. So that's awesome. So maybe your passion for the edu- the underlying passion for education might be why you're so deep in the dual credit work. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, look, <laughs> I, I care about, uh, it sounds maybe uh, disingenuous when teachers say it, but like we care, like we, we, we build a relationship with these students. We spend many hours for them. And I, the reason I'm in the profession is because of teachers who inspired me. And I just, it felt good to be acknowledged and commended and, um, guided by my teachers. And so I just sort of thought it'd be a pretty rewarding occupation if I could then turn around and do the same for students. So. Absolutely. And the students are very lucky to have you in the classroom and all of your expertise. And grateful for that. And I feel thankful to have you as a colleague working on dual credit because we have spent a lot of time over, I don't know how many years now. We've lost track. (laughs) Over the years working Mm -hmm. on dual credit. Um, What do you see as the biggest impact dual credit can have for students? I mean, dual credit's a game changer. This is a a brave new world that we're looking at. If you would have asked me, gosh, four or five years ago what dual credit was, I would have looked at you like a dummy. I wouldn't have had an answer for you. And I, I guess, sort of fell into dual credit just um, out of happenstance. I was chair of our composition program, and it basically meant I was helping schedule classes, set up our timetable, interview adjuncts. And, uh, you know, we started getting phone calls from high schools about, hey, we're interested in a dual credit partnership. And so I had to sort of uh, figure out what that meant and um, sort of uh, flail through uh, trying to pilot our first dual credit class. God bless Glenbard West, Kimberly Guizdala, high school teacher there. She and I sort of figured this all out and launched our first class. Um, in terms of opportunity, it is, uh, this is incredible for, for students. It is, um, it's going to expose them to college. It, uh, it doesn't break the bank. It's free for them. And I think it just, it really affords high school students who, whether or not they have college on their radar, it exposes them to, you know, the kind of work that we do, the kind of work that is done on college campuses. I think it uh, I think it's going to sort of change the pathways for many students. And um, I, I'm sort of lucky, I guess, like I said, by dumb luck, but I'm lucky to be sort of involved in this because it's fascinating. It's evolving at such a rapid pace. It's almost impossible to keep up with the legislative changes, the academic changes. The There's so much demand for it, um, but seeing how it's benefiting our students. You saw me an hour ago. I was in my office with a student who took dual credit at the high school, was intrigued by it, decided to come to COD to pursue his studies. Now he's looking at transferring to a four-year and just hearing these success stories from students just reifies like why we do this work. Students are benefiting from it. So So I think actually we should probably take a step back, right, and define like what dual credit is. Sure. Uh, So we're talking taking the college classes in high school taught by a high school teacher who is qualified 
to teach the college coursework. Um, and then we also have dual enrollment. Mm-hmm. And then we also have... Dual enrollment, dual credit, yes. Dual, no dual more enrollment early is where college faculty go to the high school to deliver college curriculum, college courses. Okay. And, and then, as you said, dual credit is basically colleges partnering with the high school, working with the high school faculty who have our college credentials to be able to teach our classes to high school students at the high school for free. And so high school seniors, but even like juniors and sophomores now are getting exposed to these college classes and getting credits under their belt before they even graduate high school. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah. And pretty the, the opportunities are are kind of endless for students who are interested in taking the classes. And yeah. as long as they have qualified faculty. Right. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah. And it, they really are the same courses that we have here at the college. So yep. uh, that's what makes it pretty amazing. They're transferable. They have our name on the syllabus that gets handed out. And so it's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's great. And on their transcripts, they get a real COD transcript. They are college students there. simultaneous with their, you know, high school careers. So it's awesome. Yeah. So looking at uh, K-12 licensure now and thinking about the dual credit endorsement, where if they have the, if a high school faculty member high school teacher has a dual credit endorsement on their teaching license, they're credentialed to teach in that content area at the, you know, in dual credits. They Mm -hmm. essentially have the college teaching credentials. How do you think that changes the licensure game and how we advise students to become licensed in Illinois? You know, it's funny because that's a question that I would flip around and ask you (laughs) as the sort of expert uh, educator. Uh, It would, I mean, that's right now the biggest hiccup that we face in pursuing dual credit partnerships is finding the high school faculty who have the qualifications to be able to deliver our our college curriculum. Um, and sometimes it's it's super easy. In English, I think we have a, a generally a, a relatively easy time. I identify a lot of high school faculty have a master's or higher in English, sure. you know, which makes them qualified. But other disciplines are a little bit trickier. Um, and so I would, I mean, I recognize how uh Busy high school teachers already are. And so asking them to go back and go back to grad school while teaching to get credentialed to teach our classes is a heavy lift. Um, But yeah, moving the goalposts so that these future educators are doing it while they're pursuing their teaching certificates, I think would be phenomenal. I I mentioned that in different circles and some high school administrators look at me like I'm crazy and some say it's a great (laughs) idea. So I'd ask you the question, like, what is that? How does that change our, how does that change the game if, if high school faculty or future high school faculty are doing that? Well, I think, you know, it takes a special person to get a master's degree in that specific content area compared outside to, of education correct yeah. outside of curriculum and instruction yeah. or something like ed tech or yep. something like that because not everyone has the desire right. to do that right yep. um, high school teachers really have the they're more content experts than like middle school or elementary teachers but i still think that's a little bit of a tough sell yeah. you know because those classes are not necessarily so like curriculum and instruction classes are not necessarily super intense, you know, you have to do a lot of field work, but it's not like so bad beyond that. But in a content area, I can imagine that would be more challenging. I think in some ways it would bridge what seemed there, where there seems to be a gap right now. And this is, I think, exists for both students who are taking dual credit and also faculty, high school teachers who are teaching dual credit. There is this cultural divide where 
both parties, the high school teacher and the student, they're at the high school. They are not on the college campus. They don't get to be a part of our daily culture. We try and sort of uh, ingratiate that and try and encourage that. We try and bring high school students to our campus to be able to feel like a college student since they're enrolled in our classes. Um, but like one of the things that I'd like to see start happening is encouraging our high school faculty. I know they're busy, but like encouraging high school faculty to teach our classes outside of high school. Like we're trying to get some of our dual credit teachers to teach with us online in the summer or an evening class just so that they're they feel more a part of our, you know, college community. Because that's like that's one of the biggest challenges, I think, to dual credit is bridging the gap between the high school and the college because there's the age gap. There's just the physical gap between the campuses. But these students, we identify them. We consider them college students because they are taking our classes. And so and they get access to all of the same resources that our students do at the library, even the online. That's one of my favorite things to show the high school students Mm -hmm. is where they go on the library website and ask for you know, they go on the chat. Yeah. And, yeah. and so it's the same with teachers like our the faculty. They, they're exposed to the same sort of professional development resources we have and the same yeah. sort of technologies. And so yeah. um, just trying to, to promote that and encourage that, I think, is, is something that we can do to, you know, get better. Yeah, definitely a lot of advantages to doing that. So I guess I know the answer to this question, but just in case, um, if you had your own children in high school, would you recommend they take dual credit? What do you think I'm going to say? <laughs> Like I said, I think I know the answer. A hundred percent, yes. I mean, like I'm, I'm finding that this is such a new opportunity that so many parents throughout our district, our state, don't know what it is. I was just at, I'm an eighth grader who's going to be a freshman next year. We were just at high school orientation a couple of weeks ago, and I was the dorky dad who raised his hand and asked a question during the Q and A with the student panel. And I asked about, like, have any of you taken dual credit? What do you think? What's the experience been like? And so many of the parents around me are like, what are you, what's dual credit? Wow. What are you talking about? Yeah. So, like, we need to get it out there. I think high schools and counselors at the high schools are doing a phenomenal job at advertising this. But, yeah, it, this is uh, – I think AP is – I might catch some flack for this, but I think it's kind of dying on the vine. I think in some ways it's elitist. It's performative because it asks students to perform in a three-hour window after the culmination of 16 weeks of learning. And that's not always like the best opportunity for a student to showcase what they've mm-hmm. they've done. But I mean, dual credit just uh, – it's sort of built-in guaranteed credit as long as it's done right. It's – has the sort of um, the same credibility that any class given at a college should. And so I am certainly pushing and will push my daughter. And she's (laughs) weirdly like as an eighth grader, she's already excited about the opportunity to know she can be like sort of gather and get and earn college credit, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, going into high school. So they definitely like that. Yeah ability to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Once they know about it and understand yeah. it and all that stuff, definitely. Yeah. Um, so we have two segments on the show uh, that I want to do here with you. Uh, the first one is teaching realities. Mm-hmm. So can you share something you weren't taught about teaching in college or, you know, over your the span of your life, but that you wish you knew when you started? Uh, less is more. When I I think it's an instinct of any new teacher or professor to control and to fill the uh, the quiet space with your own voice, your own teaching, your own lecturing. Mm-hmm. 
if you had seen when I took my teaching of college writing class in grad school, the syllabus that I, I and my peers had to churn out was 15 pages long. Wow. And so th I think the idea was that the more instruction, the more guidance that we could give to the students, the better. Um, but I find I'd so much, it's so much better to let the student be curious, be confused, and sort of come to a lot of these learning objectives on their own. That's not to say I'm a ghost in the classroom, but... You know, I've learned when I ask a question to just keep my mouth shut. And at some point, the awkward silence is going, someone's going to just break the awkward silence with an answer. <laughs> and uh, then that might inspire another student to speak up. Or if I'm delivering an assignment, um, leaving it as sort of bare as possible so that the student can use their creative energies to try and figure out what is it that I'm required to do here and how can I best exhibit uh, what it is I've learned and what the sort of uh, tasks of the assignment are. So I have shrunk my lectures, my assignments, and even my sort of uh, class control to as, as minimal amount as po I possibly can. So very constructivist mm -hmm. kind of approach for yeah. teaching. Yeah. Excellent. I love yeah. it. Yep. So second thing, tips for teachers. What would you like to share as a tip for future educators Anything you can think of? Look, I mean, look, if you're coming into this field, you're doing so for probably a very sincere reason. You're not here to make a whole lot of money because we, <laughs> you know, I think we're all compensated well, but uh, we're here not for that. We're here for the joy. And um, look, days can be tricky. Students can be challenging. The paperwork and the administrative elements of it can all make you want to pull your hair out at times. But don't forget why you set out on the path. Don't forget what sort of joy and inspiration your previous teachers gave to you and try and turn that around and, and give it back. So it's a hell of a, a profession to be in. I feel every day I come to this campus and walk into a classroom, I, for as stressed out as I might be, I remind myself I'm really lucky uh, to do what I do. And so um, I, I try and bring a certain joy to my classes in the same way that my best teachers did for, for mine when I was a student. So, That's awesome. Yeah. I love that advice, too. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you yeah. so much for being here with me today. Any, uh, anytime really I can talk it. to you, I'm in. So. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, thank you for being on the episode today. Uh, I think we'll need to revisit this discussion maybe regularly as things change sure. and update and as dual credit continues to pro progress. Um, and just thank you for being a partner in this dual credit work. I really of course, you know how that. to find me. All right. Well, uh, please join me for the next episode where I bring in more experts in the field uh, to share their experiences. Thank you.